0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to VR Download. I'm Ian Hamilton in New York, broadcasting today with David Heaney in London after we've returned on very exhausting flights from California. Last week, where we saw the MetaQuest 3 headset, this is a big month for VR and I expect a lot of questions from our audience. The first one, a question for David Heaney. What headset are you wearing today?
1: I'm wearing a Quest 2. As you all know, Quest 3 is shipping next week, and we plan to be bringing you a full review of Quest 3 next week. You can read our hands-on impressions on UploadVR.com for the uh, 20 minutes at a time impressions we have from MetaConnect, where Ian and I both met in real life and both tried Quest 3. So we'll be taking lots of questions about Quest 3 throughout this time, but we just want to keep in mind that what we can answer is based on our impressions in a very limited time and next week is when you want to return to the show to ask questions about what it's like to actually have in your home for long term because we do need to make an important distinction between a controlled press demo under controlled meta conditions versus actually having this device in the same way that any of you would have it when you purchase it
0: yeah a lot of really important context there that we are going to have to go into i spent a fair amount of my time the first day at Connect, waiting around for Meta to bring an updated Quest 3 to me because I had some opinions on that first headset that they showed me. And yeah, I'm glad I got a second demo later in the day, but I'm going to leave that little teaser there of my thoughts out there for us to get into What order do you want to go through everything today, David? And are there any comments out there? We're seeing everyone from around the globe tuning into us today. We love seeing where everyone's watching. We've got people spread around the United States, of course, in different areas watching us, as well as in VR, in shared spaces like big screen, as well as in countries around the world. So it's really wonderful to see everyone tuning in. Thank you so much. I'm on a Quest Pro this week. I uh, do have my facial expressions, my hand tracking. I was playing with it before I came in here. It's really, really, really good. Do you? Is that one of the things, like have you updated to the full upper body or is that not out yet? Are we gonna discuss that? Because this is actually really good. And I don't know if there's anything you've done in the last few updates to improve it, but even since the last time we've talked about, it, the tracking on hands and everything feels really great. So it should be the same. So I guess maybe we will, before
1: we talk about the headset, we'll talk about that update. So. Quest 3 in December is going to get upper body tracking. That's not coming to Quest Pro or Quest 2, but Quest 3 will get the ability to actually track your elbows, shoulders, torso, wrists. And right now that's a huge improvement because what Quest 2 and Quest Pro and headsets like Pico 4 and Vive XR Elite do is they only track your hands. And so all the only information those headsets have, including all the meta headsets today, is where your heads are and where your head is and where your hands are and from that it can guess where your arms are and it can guess where your torso is but it never really knows so when i turn my head at some point my body starts to turn as well but it doesn't know when my body's turning and when i put my hands out here i can actually be moving my elbows in real life i'm moving my elbow up above my head right now and yet it's not showing at all so this is a really interesting development that we're going to see real true optical inside out upper body tracking from those bottom cameras on quest 3 won't be there at launch but it will be there in december and in addition all of the meta headsets that are currently supported 2 pro and 3 will get generative legs so ai generated legs which can either be based on just your head and hand position in quest 2 and pro or based on that full upper body tracking in Quest 3 and when these things are put together inside out body tracking and generative legs they call this full body synthesis and this is going to come to games like Swordsman VR and Drunken Bar Fight and many many more once that SDK is available in December.
0: Yeah very very big update and it was kind of released unexpectedly the backstory here on people who are just joining this was last year at the Connect event Zuckerberg had a pre- rendered scene shown where he basically jumped into the air and did splits, very obviously like computer-generated and fake. But we kind of needed like, they didn't disclose that. They didn't say this is a conceptual idea that, about the future, but they confirmed when they did that, legs were going to be supported on the the meta system, meta Quest headsets overall. But as we've actually m- approached release, it's At least when you're talking about legs, it's not everything people hope for, right?
1: Yeah, and we do actually need to make a distinction between just legs coming and these generative legs. So if you watch the show, if you follow Upload VR, you'll know that in the past few weeks, legs have arrived in Horizon Worlds and in Horizon Home. But those actually aren't AI-generated legs. Those are just very basic what's called inverse kinematics legs, which are using kind of these manual mathematical functions to derive what is the most likely position of your legs. And obviously that that right now our arms are IK arms and there it's terrible. In my opinion, some people think IK is good. I think it's terrible because like I said, both of my elbows are above my eyeballs right now and you don't see them moving at all. I'm rotating my hands through almost a full, my arms through almost a full 90 degrees and you're seeing only a tiny flapping. So for your legs, it's even worse, but This will presumably come to Horizon Worlds as well once it's released. And this is from what you saw in the video and from what we saw, a much more plausible vision of where your legs might be. But it still will not capture, as you can see right now on screen, fine movements. It it is not real leg tracking. You can see right now when you actually move your legs in a way other than just kind of walking around or sitting, it's not going to pick that up.
0: So to be clear, David Heaney, for, you know, for our listeners who are listening on podcasts, you appear as an upper torso in uh, VR. To me, uh, 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 are, is, is Mark Zuckerberg and Meta going to give you a Christmas present and is it going to be the lower half of your body in this studio?
1: So despite the fact that meta avatars have basic legs in Horizon Worlds, the SDK has not been released to other developers. We saw that there was a uh, meta avatars talk at Connect, but we neither of us were able to attend it and they haven't actually uploaded that on their website yet. So I would assume that's going to come soon, but I expect that the first legs we'll see for these avatars will be just basic legs, not the AI legs at first. Wait a,
0: wait a second. So when are... You don't know when I'm going to get Legs in here?
1: We do not We do not have an announcement yet for Meta, Avatar's SDK. Is Meta going to
0: hold my Legs ransom inside Horizon Worlds?
1: It seems so, yeah. This is quite a disappointing thing that they released their SDK. Why would you break this to first. me live
0: on our show? This is very upsetting.
1: Yeah, I think people who play Golf Plus are finding it even worse. You know, that's one of those apps that really would benefit from Legs. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of... The walkabout avatars because they're already heads but i'm also not a fan of you know if you're on a golf course it's a very different thing than if you're sitting around a a desk in horizon work rooms and I, i can't wait to see legs come to golf plus for example
0: all right well we'll talk to meta about our legs see if we can get our hands on them oh man that was a dad joke and it was thought up on the fly wow sorry i apologize for that that'll be one one dad joke per episode I know you had Kyle with you last week. I appreciate him talking through that episode. It was live. He was getting fed information directly from David Heaney and I. We were updating Slack as well as chat with you all live in our show. It was a really interesting format, and I would love to see what weird things we can do in the future with live reporting, mixing virtual reality, augmented reality, different ways. This has been an incredible week. And I'm still, I'm frankly still coming to grips with our demos last week. There was a lot to take in. I saw Ghostbusters in a mixed reality mission in Quest 3. I saw Bam from Eye Illusions. That's the next game from the developers of Space Pirate Trainer. And like, that's probably going to be news to some people in our audience, even though it was in the the keynote, like it was presented. It's just a big deal for Eye Illusions, one of the sort of founding vr members to put some of those demos out on steam vr in the early days to come out with another vr game after space pirate arena which again was like a, a groundbreaking interesting game but just missed a lot of people's uh no not a lot of people noticed it because if you had to go taking take over a tennis court in Horver to play space pirate arena so here's bam coming And I played it with some people, the the developers of Pixel RIP games, and it was enormously fun. It was one of my highlights of the the Connect event. Uh, Absolutely love that. Highly recommend looking for it. I think it's going to be a launch game for Quest 3. So definitely look for that from Illusions.
1: Yeah, it's really strange how little Zuckerberg talked about these games during the keynote itself. They got a very, very brief mention and... You know, obviously Meta has done this strategy where they have a gaming showcase just before summer or in early summer, and then they have this separate Connect. But I don't know if that's the right strategy for them, especially given their rate of hardware. I think you get the situation where people are saying, "Well, what happens? Where where are all the games that we were expecting?" But the problem is those were already announced back at the gaming showcase. That was the point of that. I think they would be they would have been much better off not doing a showcase earlier this year and just wrapping this all into the Quest event and focusing a bit more on gaming. And just if anyone's wondering what you're seeing on screen right now, it is that full upper body tracking in Swordsman VR where, you know, if you if you haven't seen this video, go to our channel and watch it where it's detailed. It really explains just how important this is for VR games. One of the things that someone pointed out on Twitter is going to be great is that if you're in a game like Onward or any shooter where you have these kind of belts around your torso, you're no longer going to be in a situation where sometimes you look down and that belt is in completely the wrong place. You can look down and that belt is actually anchored to your real body, your actual torso. You pull things off your torso. You would even get a little bit of kind of ambient haptics against your own body by just being able to pull guns and uh, grenades and items off your own body that's going to be a really big game changer for vr inventories as well as the fact that in games like swords games like this you can now block with your elbow you can elbow enemies in the face you can actually see your real arms in vr not these estimations that some people have gotten used to but i've never ever liked
0: you're muted ian Ian, you're muted. I'm seeing Guy Godin in our comments saying everyone will have to have this in VR chat uh, for full-body tracking. And speaking of, I just got the email that uh, the Sony full-body tracking system, Mocopy, uh motion capture, I can never pronounce it right, uh, is on its way to me. And I'm very interested to pair Big Screen Beyond with that full-body capture system and see how it feels um in places like VR chat it's like i'm not i'm not that heavy user of vr chat but i think it's definitely an avenue to consider for people that spend significant hours in vr chat you're going to want something for full body tracking that's a little bit easier to set up than um the the old pucks for the vive as well as uh yeah you're going to want a newer system you're going to want to move on from that and I don't, I don't know that this is going to get people, I don't know that Meta is going to get people with full body tracking to all the places they want to go.
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, so the advantage of MoCopy is the cost. It's a lot cheaper, but it's still not going to get you the real true quality of uh, those Vive trackers. But I think, you know, with what Meta has here for the upper body, it's, it's, as good if not better because you're getting not just kind of one point on your arm, you're getting as if you were had a tracker on your elbow, your arm, your shoulder, your hip. It's the legs that are still going to be uh, not quite there for people. Maybe there will be people who find out a way to fuse the upper body optical tracking of Quest 3 with Vive trackers that are strapped to your legs. That's the, the last part that still isn't tracked. I really wonder whether we'll see a leg tracking update in Quest 3's lifetime, though. Uh, Two two comments here I want to point out. First is the new blood Dan saying that they didn't even realize that they were coming out with upper body tracking. We've heard that from a lot of people because this was not in the main Quest 3 keynote. This was buried in a developer talk. Why that is the case, I have no idea. You would think Zuckerberg would want to say, oh yeah, and in a few months, it can track your body too. Nope. Ian has his own theories on why that might be the case. And another pr- comment I just want to read out is that G- Geminosity says has pointed out a really good other use case for this, which is today when you're in a VR game using a thumbstick to move about, you can choose between that moving relative to your head or your hands. So either pushing forward goes forward from where your head is. Or where your hands are but with this it can now be what you've always really wanted I, I suspect for most people at least is for it to move forward relative to your body so you can be running in one direction while you look behind you and while you shoot in whichever direction you want you no longer have to think about your head and hands when you're moving you go forward from your body and I think that will not only be great for gameplay I think it'll also probably help with sickness when people are moving around
0: hmm Yeah. Some big changes in store. What do we want to talk about next? Is there any specific comments? Because I, I'm going to let you, you've gotten your thoughts out there and I want to let you kind of like lead our discussion on quest three. Um, and then I want to pipe up when, when I feel it's appropriate because you've, uh, you've been able to enunciate your thoughts very clearly. And it's I'm I'm really impressed by what you were able to publish just uh, last week. Uh, it, David Heaney was uh, not well uh, at Connect. I uh, ran him a COVID test at the end of the week, um, and uh, he still struggled through. Uh, whatever that was it was a negative COVID test, but uh, he struggled through and got his uh, hands-on analysis out. And it's it's really something that i'm I'm proud of upload VR putting out there into the space, right? You can go out there and get your hands on reports. you can go out there and like see a lot of people saying, "Wow, wow, wow, but you're not going to get a breakdown quite like he's giving uh, in many places so let's let's let you lead the discussion here, and then I'll pipe up.
1: Sure. And yeah, that was very difficult to get this done given those health issues. I, I it must have been a flu or something like that, you know, flu like symptoms, the negative COVID test. But yeah, I finished that hands on impressions, uh, in the middle of my 12 hour flight home and kind of fell asleep straight into the laptop upon doing so. So, uh, fun times, but yeah, it's difficult to know where to start about this, but. In my hands-on impression piece, I've broken it into two, three main categories. You, you've got the the weight and comfort aspect, you've got the pass-through and mixed reality uh, aspect, and then you've got the lenses, resolution, and graphics. The, the, the first thing I guess I'd say is what I think the biggest upgrade is here. And a lot of people would say it's the lenses, and meta would tell you it's the mixed reality, but I really think it's the chipset. The graphical difference in games on this headset between switching back to the Quest 2 mode that the demo offered here was just astounding. This thing is more than twice as powerful from a GPU perspective. It is something like 10 times the GPU memory cache. It has a lot of under the hood improvements. And the result is that when I was playing games on this that were built for this, that were that had a proper graphics patch for this, it felt more similar to gaming on PlayStation VR 2 or PC VR than it did on Quest. And that is truly remarkable. The one thing that this headset does for VR, more than its lenses and its pass-through, is bridge that graphics gap. And that was truly uh, truly astounding to no longer, for me, one of the biggest issues with standalone headsets and a Quest 2 and even a Quest Pro, and I called this out in my Quest Pro review, is that you go into these virtual experiences and it's pixelated and there's aliasing everywhere. And it's just a really ugly image because it's so noisy with all of this shimmering and aliasing. And that was gone from the experiences I tried in Quest 3. Now, I'm sure there are still some apps that will push graphics to the point where they do, where they still do have aliasing and shimmering. But developers now have the power that that no longer is a necessity to put a full-fledged game onto this headset. Uh, the other thing you'll notice is that I came into this expecting to say... Just like the Quest 2, the Elite Strap is essential. I hate the default strap on Quest 2. I am currently wearing a Quest 2 with the Elite Strap. If I had to do this show for an hour or two hours with the default strap on Quest 2, I would hate it. I would genuinely hate it. But Quest 3 was genuinely comfortable with just that default strap. We intend to review it with the default strap, and afterwards we will do a separate article on whether the Elite Strap is Is a necessary upgrade for longer duration the caveat i want to put here like we always do with hands-on impressions like you should you should think about this for everyone who has hands-on impressions is that this is not enough time to assess whether this is comfortable for one hour or two hours or three hours we did not have that amount of time come back next week for the review for that but the, the the nice thing about the comfort also is that they've gotten rid of that kind of harsh default foam on Quest Two and Quest One, which just felt like it was the cheapest material they could find and it hurt your face. This is actually a really comfortable foam that reminds me almost of the kind of material you get in something like a Valve Index. This is a, in in many ways, this is something I've noticed with this headset. It you can tell that this had a bigger cost of materials budget than Quest Two. This is a departure from the strategy of let's try to get the cheapest thing out here and you know, screw whatever we have to compromise. This is quite a high-end headset in in many ways, which is really strange from meta for their their main line. Uh yeah, so if we want to talk about the mixed reality next, do you wanna pipe in some thoughts or should we go straight to that?
0: Um, mixed reality is going to be the area where I'm going to want to talk the most. And I'm seeing this question from Melted Lawn Flamingo saying, do they do trade-ins? They do not. And I asked Meta specifically about that and whether it would be something that they would consider again and and or look at. And it didn't sound like there was anything in the works anytime soon along those lines. So it is a tough choice out there. However, I will say that uh, stay safe out there if you're going to use Facebook Marketplace. But I have found that Quest headsets do seem to retain their value if you're hand-to-hand kind of handing them off to people or listing them on a a place like that.
1: Kevin Brooke is asking uh, if we can cover lens fog. So this is something I noted in my Quest Pro review. And in my Pico 4 experience, I found this too. Something about the material that is used in these pancake lenses and something about the design of these headsets They do seem to to fog up a lot less than Fresnel lens headsets. I don't know if this is just a coincidence of the pancake lens headset designs. Obviously Quest Pro has its open periphery, so that may be a factor there, but it did seem to also be the case for Pico 4. This is something I will be paying attention to in my Quest 3 review, because these headsets don't come with lens cloths anymore. That is still a, a, a truth for Quest 3, I believe, based on the leaked unboxing we saw before uh we will bring you that information in the review but the thing is that that makes that disappointing is i think a lot of people probably don't even realize they're supposed to wipe the lenses and if you've ever tried a quest 2 that's been sitting around for weeks it actually looks like a lower resolution like blurrier lens headset until you get a a lens cloth just a glasses lens cloth and wipe it and then it looks like you've just upgraded your display so if that is true that'll be uh, be great for uh, people but yeah let's let's talk about the pass-through. Uh, Guy Godin in our comments agreeing that the the new chipset, the, the Snapdragon XR2 Gen 2, he also agrees is the best thing about the headset. It really is a beast. But let's talk about the, the pass-through because Meta markets this as the first mainstream mixed reality headset. And from a purely descriptive perspective, that probably is correct. You know, the Quest Pro can do basic mixed reality, but it's it's a $1,000 even after its price cut. So I wouldn't call that mainstream but yeah, um, Ian here has tried a- Apple Vision Pro, so he can attest to the main differences here. But just to sum it up, the, the pass-through is a lot better than Quest Pro and light years ahead of Quest 2. It's in a different galaxy to Quest 2. You know, it's Quest 2 is blurry, low-resolution, grainy, black and white. This is true color in high resolution. I was typing on Slack, our you know our, group, our company instant messaging platform that we use, on my monitor with the Quest 3 on my head at, at one point, you know, so that's something that can be done. Um, the, the The problem is that there is still distortion in the near field. And this is something we noted in our, our time at MetaConnect. You know, we were we were trying this for as long as we possibly could. We had the phone any closer than full arm distance, and we would see a geometric distortion and warping that made it uncomfortable to sit and use your phone, which is really strange because the resolution of this pass-through was good enough to use my phone, but the distortion made me not want to. And so it's lesser, it's not as much of a problem when you're just using your hands, but there is another issue there. If you know Quest Pro or have used Quest Pro, you'll know that there is a double imaging effect on the pass-through. And on Quest Pro, it's very harsh because it's the it's not only a double imaging from the grayscale underlying image but it's also the color is following along on it on quest 3 you have a true color image that's great but there is still a, a double imaging effect it's color so it's not like it's the color lagging behind there, there is full color but your hands do not appear to move smoothly across if you pan them across your face you will see a ghosting effect that is disappointing it's, it's like a little bit worse than, say, reprojection is in a VR game on something like PlayStation VR 2, but this is all the time and pass through. The other problem for mix, with mixed reality for me is that at launch, it will not have dynamic object occlusion, including your hands. So you put your hands up, and the virtual objects are always rendered in front of your hands. To me, this was an absolute deal breaker. I think it's astonishing and shocking that they intend to ship a mixed reality headset without dynamic occlusion. I would call this a deal breaker for anyone who's buying this for Mixed Reality uh, specifically. However, Meta says that they plan to add this as a software update soon. Quote marks.
0: All right, so time to give some of my thoughts. And I wanted to give the sort of colorful recap of us getting there. So we got there early in the day and uh, got sort of stuck in line outside this venue uh, with uh, a large number of other people in other lines sort of looking at the time wondering if we're going to start on time of course we got into the press room at this event uh, waiting we we tried to go up on like get into the venue we were told not to go in the venue we had to go inside uh, this office this empty office at Meta headquarters and wait until uh, 1030 they delayed I've never seen this sort of thing happen where they delayed the keynote by 30 minutes uh with sort of having embargoed and gotten agreements from a very large number of people not to talk about the things that they've been informed about until uh embargo lifts when mark zuckerberg basically uh, announces certain things in the show so we go and do this keynote and then we go and do some uh try to do a demo right we go to this keynote that everyone out there watched and then we went to our demos and um i tried apple vision pro earlier this year i put on the quest 3 uh in the demo room and i was enjoying i really loved the vr the the visuals the christmas i love seeing the lenses uh that i've grown to adore on quest pro basically adapted for this system um, and the clarity of the, the, the virtual content in a virtual world was astonishing. I loved every second of that, but I hated the pass through, even though it is everything you said it is as a huge upgrade from quest Two. um, like, and I, I, and I have to figure out how to qualify this for our audience out there where, um, If you're talking like 2020 vision, every pass through experience you're gonna talk about is gonna be a way, a big, huge step back from 2020 vision. And that's for a huge number of reasons. One of the reasons is because most headsets don't incorporate your prescription correction into them, right, from their base models. We're looking at that actually right now with this generation, something we're gonna have to assess hopefully alongside the hardware is just what are what is the cost of prescription correction? And uh, what is, how does that figure into your like buying decision and how it fits into your purchase? Because in Apple Vision Pro, in that demo that I had before, I went and saw what Apple had on its uh, headset. They checked my prescription. I don't know for sure whether the headset they actually put on my head had lenses tuned for my eyes. But it's possible because they actually took that into account by measuring it beforehand. Point being that there is a huge, huge, huge gap between the quality of pass-through on Quest 3 versus the quality of pass-through on Apple Vision Pro. And it is such a huge gap, I think it will affect the amount of time one wants to spend in those environments. I don't think you're going to want to spend as much time in mixed reality on a quest 3 as you will want to spend in mixed reality on an apple vision pro now of course everyone in our comments i don't even have to look at them is it worth 7x the cost right like i know that's the uh, that is going to be the question on our minds and i have no answer for that value question except to start with this 2020 vision place of just how big this gap is between where we are here with 500 mass market hardware that is amazing for virtual reality content but still just ah, so so for mixed reality stuff yeah i think that makes a lot
1: of sense and i haven't tried vision pro but based on your assessment and, and trying Questry, i can very much so understand that if it does have the quality you're describing that would you would definitely want to spend a lot more time in mixed reality there the, the quest 3 pass through, it is still far from feeling like you're wearing a transparent optic. You know, there is still some graininess. There is still you know, warping at the very periphery of your view. Uh, Mr. Horse has asked a question here, or made a statement, I guess, that is really a question. If it had eye tracking, it would correct that distortion. And No, so this is not lens distortion on the display. That's not that same kind of distortion. Quest 3's lenses, to ask another question here, someone asked about the sweet spot, are excellent. They are the best VR lenses we have ever tried. The sweet spot is enormous. The edge-to-edge clarity is incredible. These lenses are... You know, I if there is more to go, there are diminishing returns after this, because these lenses are no longer in any way the limiting factor. I'm using a quest two right now and it is astonishing how bad this is compared to quest three. I it's one of those things where it's like, How did we put up with Fresnel lenses for all these years? When you get pancake lenses, uh you'll know. And you'll know that there is no going back is what I'm trying to say. And Meta's actually confirmed to us that they're even slightly improved from Quest Pro. So if you have a Quest Pro, the, the Quest 3 lenses have an even wider eye box. So they're l- even less sensitive to whether you have your IPD set perfectly, which is crazy to think because Quest 3 has full precise IPD adjustment. So, uh, DSAX VR is saying that the warping might be improved with a patch at launch. Uh, yeah, that's possible, but you know we can't say whether that's going to happen. We do know that Quest Pro's pass through was slightly improved over time. Uh, someone here is saying that they couldn't use their Quest Pro's pass through, they turned it off on purpose because of that warping. To be clear, the warping is much improved on Quest Three versus Quest Pro. But it's still there to the point where I wouldn't want to use my phone in this. Again, to be clear, you can read the text on your phone. It's not as sharp as if you were looking at it without the headset on, but you can read it, even notifications, even text. The problem is that your phone doesn't look rectangular. It looks like it's kind of got a wavy shape. And uh, that's, yeah, that's very disappointing to hear. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh- I want to make sure I sort of recap my own impression of the so I I got back to Quest Pro I I booted it up and um and I'm seeing people in our comments saying they're playing mixed reality games on the Quest Pro right now and they're okay with that. I'm I can understand that and there's people who played on the Oculus Go and enjoyed that, right? Uh I'm still not a fan of that environment enough to really go and do do that. And one of the demos I tried was a Ghostbusters mixed reality mission. So this is a like a mixed reality portion of the overall Ghostbusters virtual reality game. And it was played in a very small room with a window on the side of the room to the outside. And I wasn't passed through on Quest 3 and I could even see like the details of the outside environment through this portal to the outside so it had enough kind of dynamic range to to handle that kind of inside i'm inside and looking inside just fine but i'm still actually able to see outside through uh that portal um looked great but uh the top of my room turned into virtual reality it turned into VR space as a marshmallow man started throwing, lobbing things down on me and I had to move around the room to avoid what the marshmallow man was throwing at me. Um, I, I have to describe this contrast between this crispness of what they're presenting virtually being astonishingly beautiful. And this, this pass through environment looking like staticky, like, just it's it's going backwards in time technologically compared to what I'm looking, and I want to like and and at part of this level, and I know this is a mechanic in a number of games that are looking at mixed reality is you kind of like chip away, or more of the virtual world seeps in as the real world fades away more and more. And I wanted to make the physical world fade away and make the whole world virtual during that little play session, and it's just. People's, people are going to be all over the board of just how much they're willing to spend in that time. And it's going like there is a path here where, like, nobody wanted to spend any time whatsoever. This is like for setup only, is the reason you go into pass through on a Quest 2. On yeah. Quest 3, let's support it for a little bit of an experimental thing. Here, let's try to give it a real chance. And that's exactly what they're marketing this as. But what I have to say is it's still like the experimental area of the system. And the virtual reality alone is really, really exciting. The reason I I focus on all that, David, is we keep talking about this headset next year, this this theoretical next device. And if they would focus on just the VR portion of this, and if there was any cost savings to them by just focusing on the VR aspect of this kit and just, I don't know, just go back. I wouldn't say black and white. I don't want the Quest quest 2 pass through. But, like, it's not not relevant to me as much as how wonderful the the vr visuals look on this in standalone uh mode like i went into red matter 2 for just a few seconds looking at all the reflections and the light just just really struggling to understand that i was in standalone and not on pc yeah
1: that that is like i was saying before it's, it's an important thing to just keep reiterating that this thing is being marketed as a mixed reality headset, but it is an excellent virtual reality headset. And what blew us away the most was everything about VR and not MR. At that point, you made about being able to look out a real window answers an audience question from earlier. And the explanation for that is that the Quest 3s pass through can now actually dynamically adjust exposure. And that's also one of the reasons you can now read screens. You can read TV monitors and PC monitors and laptop screens and phones. Obviously, the distortion issue is a problem if you have them very close to you. But it's not like on Quest Pro and Quest 3 where it would be so blown out that all you would see if you look at your monitor is just, a, just a giant bright white light covering the whole thing. Which is you know that's really great you can look out the window and actually see out your window which uh, yeah that's that's great the, the biggest change for actual mixed reality in practical use case on quest 3 is that you no longer actually have to like manually paint out the dimensions of your furniture like you did on quest pro and Two. you can put this thing on it'll scan your room with the depth sensor and then all of these mixed reality objects will just be there Uh, in your space interacting with your walls and your furniture and so yeah as a if you were playing mixed reality on quest pro you were enduring it this is practically this thing is a mixed reality headset you know you're going to be able to play mixed reality games on this without all that hassled setup by just pressing play on the app and and starting the app but uh, as ian keeps pointing out very rightfully so it is there is a visual downgrade from going from vr to mixed reality and as you say that's a great way to put it that the virtual objects in your real space look a lot better than your real space does. And you'll be kind of wowed by their sharpness. I've heard some developers talk about the idea of perhaps putting a kind of like fake pass through graininess layer on top of virtual objects to make that less jarring. I don't know if that's the right way to go, but I would, I think that would be an interesting thing to try. But as you point out, it would kind of feel like using a quest one or something. You know, it's like th- the, the real world. Has the visual fidelity of a Quest One, and then the virtual world has the visual fidelity of like PlayStation VR Two, which is just so strange. You're muted. Ian.
0: <laughs> so James in our comments, yeah. So I'm waiting patiently for him uh, to stop talking. He stops talking. I get excited, and I don't press the mute button before I get excited to actually say my piece. So James in our comments. And Guy Godin, the creator of Virtual Desktop, agreeing with uh, James' comment here. Vision Pro is really an AR product first, VR second. I think Quest 3 is the reverse. Vision Pro needs its pass-through to be excellent. Quest 3 right now is still mostly of AR product. Quality of life pass-through. Yes, I think uh, James nailed uh, exactly where we are. And it goes to exactly the editorial ideas that I, I've been struggling with how to how to express because i I wanted to get this episode out kind of to discuss it with you before trying to express this but yes meta and apple are on the same path they are going to merge there is a standalone computer somewhere in the 1000 to 3500 range that is the first mass market replacement for a laptop the first mass market replacement for like a chromebook But neither of them have made it yet. Right. And we're we're moving. We're trying to figure out what the minimum spec is to get there. And they're like marketing little feet. They've built features to do it and they've built hardware to try to do it. But none of them like they can't get the hardware out to yet to do 4K at this price with this many monitors. Right.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with the reason that the Quest 3's pasture isn't as good as Vision Pro it has anything to do with one focus more on AR and one focus more on VR. I think it is just the price. Like we've said this before and it is obvious but it's 7 times the price. You could buy a whole Quest 3 and it's pretty much a rounding error on the Vision Pro's price. You know, what what's $500 in $3500. It's you're going to spend more on Vision Pro accessories most likely than you're going to spend on an entire Quest 3. I don't think This is even a reason that, you know, Meta is focused on VR. I just don't think you could probably, I don't think you could ship better mixed reality today at this time for $500 or less. I think this is just as the Meta engineer said to us when we were saying, this is just where the technology is now at this price point. Meta could maybe release a $1,500 or $2,000. They'd have to put a
0: separate chip. They'd have to put a second chip in there, right? In order to to do the image processing at at a new speed.
1: I think they need more sensors as well. If you look at the sheer number of sensors on the front of Vision Pro, it's a lot more than Quest 3 has. They need maybe higher-end sensors. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Vision Pro had this approach where they uh, have this entire separate R1 chip. Qualcomm does argue that they have a lot of the functions of that R1 chip built into the XR2 Gen 2. So all of this pass-through, for example, is being done uh on chip by hardware acceleration you know there are a lot of good things to also say about the past year on quest 3 that the latency is remarkably low uh people were asking about that earlier qualcomm showed a demo uh, and you can find this in our xr2 gen 2 article on uploadvr.com they showed a demo of playing ping pong with two of these headsets on so they're in mixed reality playing on a real ping pong table there's no virtual objects evolved and tall here this is just just passed through and they are playing ping pong. That's how low the latency is. So, Apple's quoted 12 milliseconds end to end is the same 12 milliseconds end to end that Qualcomm is claiming. But it is those distortions that really, really are just let it die. They claim,
0: they claim, and I don't know if it feels that way. So, like, that scenario is oh, really does. odd for me, right? Like, because, like, what I prefer, what I prefer 11 table tennis uh, in virtual reality to, um, a mixed reality version of the exact same uh, timing, but I'm seeing the actual paddle instead of the virtual paddle.
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, there is obviously um you know you're gonna not like the, the the visual quality there you're not gonna like the distortion but from a sheer latency perspective i mean i don't know if you remember i, I was standing beside you i tried this by like jumping to the ground and ducking and then jumping back up as quickly as i could the, there was no delay in in the, the past well, image the see,
0: table tennis is like at the far end of like speed for for pushing the comfort of and that, they, right? And like, they were playing it. I mean, you can watch the video. They're playing cable tennis uh, sure. well, in the headset. Sure, well, I'd like to test it. So, so that's Qualcomm tuning their own chip and the speeds capable with that chip. That's not Meta's implementation of the Qualcomm XR2 chip.
1: Sure, but I don't think, I don't see any reason that metas would be significantly higher latency. And like I said, I was jumping in this thing. I I, I jumped from all the way up as high as I could get down to crouching to the ground and came straight back up. And, you know, I've tried this for the tracking system of VR headsets. I'm used to trying this for years and years. There was no perceptible latency in the static objects. Because of how these pass-through reprojection systems work, you can't really give a global latency figure. The problem is that how they treat static objects you'll know this if you have a quest pro you'll know this already versus objects that are moving near you is is very quite different you're not actually seeing a, a raw video feed you're seeing a heavily processed image uh, uh, processing algorithm being that is using a 3d depth map in real time of what it's seeing to stitch together those images in a in a, in a synthetic way that bears no direct one to one mapping to the camera images coming in. So yes, you're you're going to see that double imaging in your hand. Yes, you're going to see the warping. But you know, you move your head like this and this, and it looks exactly like it does. From a latency perspective, it it has the same feeling as being in VR.
0: Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to go into this. And one thing I'm I think is really valuable to express about Meta is they do now have a proven track record of updating their software significantly, month by month, in in ways you don't expect. So they, over the last two years of Quest updates, and this came across in my interview, so uh, one thing that we haven't expressed yet is uh, I'm not sure if that's... David Heaney and I did sit down with med executives with on-the-record interviews to ask some very hard questions about a variety of subjects. And uh, we'll get into those what we got from those interviews over time. Um, but This one of the things I did cover in one of those interviews is that Meta does have a track record of updating their software stack in significant ways for years, Um, even though there's still this impression of just let's drop off the old devices as quickly as we can in order to support a bigger platform with a bigger uh, group of people that that can be served on uh, a new generation of headsets.
1: Yeah, I think you lost connection for a little bit of that, but you came back faster. So I think people probably heard most of what you're saying. Yeah, just, just to go back on, on that AR objects and latency thing, the, the one of the tests you can do is if you see a virtual object pinned on your floor, it it's rock solid. That's the really impressive thing about the mixed reality here. And I've said this in my hands-on. This is the best part of this, is that the tracking is so good that that object is anchored to your floor. If you tried some earlier AR headsets and even AR on your phone before it was good or in low lighting, you'll notice that there's almost, the object slides around your floor and jitters on your floor and it doesn't really look connected to it. When I was in Quest 3, when I was moving around as fast as I could, uh, that object was rock solid on the floor. And that's how you can tell the latency is low because it's the same latency for virtual objects as it is for the real objects. Mm
0: I still, I still want you to. I can't wait to see. You've had this. You, you did this thing where you talked about like Quest uh, Quest Two's black and white uh, passer, and you're like, "Go try to spend more than thirty seconds in that." And I'm like, I don't want to, <laughs> right? i I know it's going to be that miserable, and uh, then we know Quest Pro, Pro is better. But realistically, what is the maximum amount of time? That you've spent in that environment i would love for you to compare that to quest 3 and have that in your review as a, as a marker for people of like just how long do you feel is comfortable in these various views i think that's what we really need to get across across to our readers a little bit um i want to talk about walkabout well, mini golf on iphone at some point but uh, what else do you want <laughs> to talk about david let's let's stick to Quest Three for now i don't
1: think people want to talk about iphone games for now um yeah i mean i, I that's an interesting question to ask how many yeah ian wants to talk about for some reason on vr download we're going to talk about an iphone game but yeah
0: um, no we'll talk about it later go ahead keep going we're on quest 3 i've got to do the time stamps later let's stay on quest 3 i uh, just have one, it in my one, notes i want to talk one, about it before i let them leave today
1: some could argue why would we talk about an iphone game at all no i'm just kidding i, I understand the the relevance um yeah no I, I think obviously you know i was the one that said you don't want to spend any time in quest 2's pass through and yeah maybe 30 seconds is how long you really want to spend in that i would say with quest 3s pass through it really depends on whether you're interacting with things close to you or far away uh It is about this concept of the near field versus the far field if you were playing a mixed reality game where you're using controllers so they're overlaid on top of your hand say there's a a a pistol blaster in one hand and a a tool in another in some sort of sci-fi mixed reality game right so you're not seeing any distortion in your hands you're not seeing any double imaging you're seeing these crisp rock solid virtual objects and then you're interacting with things on your walls and in the distance that's good. You could spend hours in that. I think those mixed reality games, I think you could spend hours. The problem would come when you're trying to do something in the near field where you're spending time with the pass through with objects that are very, very close to your face. That's where this system, that's where Meta's pass through technology breaks down. If you're doing anything beyond arm's length, it's great. It's, I would say it's really great this pass through beyond arm's length. When you get within arm's length, that's when all of these issues start to occur. There's no showstopper past arm's length that I can really think of. And I, I was really, really impressed of arm's length. You know, if you, especially if you're in the room talking to other people, you're not going to have any problem with their face being distorted as long as they're past an arm's length away from you. You're going to see clearly their facial expressions, just like when I was standing beside you and the other me- and the meta engineers we were speaking to. But again, you bring your hands up to your face, you bring your phone up to your face, you bring a real object up to your face. That's where this kind of breaks down.
0: And I think that's, that's, you know, most VR games have been constructed to use the far field a lot because that's where your fixed focus distance is, right? Like, the way the lenses work is your eyes are made to focus at infinity or at a distance and, and to infinity. And devs know that, so they put a lot of the things you need to interact with at that distance because it's comfortable for your eyes not to have to focus on this near area. And that's another thing that's really hard to convey that it just felt really amazing to look at my own hands in the near field over on the Vision Pro and what felt so darn lacking on this pass-through mixed, you know, mixed reality quality. Do you think people are going to spend significant money on mixed reality games in this generation?
1: It's a really big open question. The problem is that developers are going to have limited investment in mixed reality for full-fledged titles that are built only for it because they can only really target Quest 3. We've talked about the reasons why theoretically you can build a mixed reality game for Quest 2 and Pro as well, but nobody's going to really want to play with that for extended periods of time on Quest 2 and barely anyone owns a Quest Pro. So there's no point in building a game around that. When I think a lot of titles are going to be both. So Demio, for example. It's essentially going to be a choice between do you want to play this game that takes place within a room scale environment or on your table with a VR background, or do you want the background to be your real room? I think a lot of games are going to be like that. Cubism, there are going to be a lot of workout apps where, again, like Supernatural, the question is do you want all of this to happen? in your real room or you want all of this to happen in a VR environment. And a lot of the time you're going to be able to just toggle between it. Someday you might feel like being in your room, maybe because there's someone beside you you want to talk to, or, you know, I don't know, you're cooking and you want to keep an eye on the, uh, the oven. There's other times you just want to completely get out of your real environment. Obviously though, the the best mixed reality games are going to be ones that are built completely around mixed reality. And that's going to be something I, I struggle to see developers investing significantly into and people buying but there are going to be the strategy i think we've seen a lot of developers take is that they release levels so you buy a full vr game and you have the mixed reality kind of mini game that you can access in the menu you know you're going to go into campaign multiplayer and mixed reality mini game and that's probably where we're going to be for quite a while
0: Mm -hmm. BAM from Iillusions used Mixed Reality for their stuff, and Demio obviously is the example that everyone has talked about where there's the shared anchor solution that's, that's like built in experimentally or right at the very front end of Meta's platform where you can have multiple people in the same space and anchor a game board. So BAM has this environment right in front of you. It's like a, a, an arena. And what's hysterical about BAM to me is does anyone in our comments remember Baby Lawn? Uh, it was this game from a company called Kite and Lightning. Kite and Lightning had a very, very early, amazing Unreal Engine demo that, with this music and like a, a river ride across the river Styx, blew a lot of minds in the really early days of virtual reality as this just high fidelity PC VR demo. Then they got this funding to make this VR game called Baby Lawn with these weird, uh, Babies that live forever but look like babies, they're adults and they have adult kind of personalities and they're really rude and they fight in an arena in cars right in front of you. And that's almost exactly what BAM feels like. And you've got the controllers and you've got pass through where you can see at least the way they had it set up at Meta was you could see right across from a person sitting over there, a person sitting right here, a person sitting right here. And they're the background to this environment where everything is playing out on this game board, and all you've got to do is hold on to a crown for I think it's 45 seconds, and every person's timer runs down for as long as they've got it. And while the people are you're using the sticks to navigate your characters around, you can reach forward with your hands and hit the other characters as they're flying around making them drop the crown, pick it up. And then you've got to like soar around this little environment with these little cars as the timer is ticking down. It's like five, four, three, two, you're, I'm screaming and I'm seeing these people in the background, all getting more animated as this like level is getting really, really close to finishing. And it's, it's, it's intense. Like you're, you you do not want the person to have it for the, the championship. It's like, it's the same tug of war concept you get in all the team shooters, uh it works out fantastically here. I loved it. Um and it did use mixed reality well. Like it made the virtual it made the, the physical environment the background for the content in a really appealing way. I loved it.
1: Yeah, I think that those sort of games that are co-located and take place in your room uh with multiple people in a shared space multiplayer are gonna be great. I think those are gonna be the new Split screen of the kind of mixed rally era, you know, where you want to play in the same room as someone. The problem is obviously you you need to have two Quest threes at at minimum, and and I, you know, maybe three or four if you want to bring in more people. That's going to be a tough ask. Most most families are not going to have that, but for the few families that do have that, where you know both people have a Quest three or you have multiple, that's that sounds like a really really compelling experience. It's almost like having the VR arcade experience of being together in a shared space but in your home and i'm really excited to see what that might look like when you take it outside into the garden into the into the yard uh you know we know that quest three's cameras because of this exposure could theoretically work in this environment we saw in the quest three trailer uh, it being shown being used in like a coffee shop and uh, at work and with a very bright environment so meta seems to maybe be slightly endorsing this but yeah well, i don't yeah, know and,
0: people in our comments obviously doing the obvious math of 7x right you can go and get seven and outfit your entire family and your extended family for the price of one vision pro and get them all playing vr games again and i think it's it's the price of the quest 3 at 500 it's it's tough for people who've been who bought in at 300 to see it's got to be more expensive to upgrade it's tough Probably for Meta to put it out there and not continue the story of constantly lowering price. Um, but s- what I'm seeing in the grand scheme of things is Meta doing to Apple what it did to everyone else, where they're priced so under the competition that it's you're you're doing math of how many other people can you get into VR with you, rather than just are you getting one product or the other? Like that's how broken the competition is.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, even if you could, even if there are multiplayer games for Vision Pro that are designed around its specific capabilities, you're not going to be playing with any of your friends realistically unless you're in a very specific socioeconomic circle. Whereas if you buy a Quest 3, odds are, you know, if you're a gamer and you're in a group of gamer friends, at least someone's going to buy one. And those who are are not, a lot of them can buy a Quest 2 for $300 or a used Quest 2 for $200 or something like that. And you have actual people to play with. So, you know, it's a very appealing aspect of this pricing but i do agree with you that and with many people that $500 is a lot more than 300 and i think that's the main limitation of this product at 500 it is simply in a different pricing league than quest 2 was at launch
0: yeah and i'm seeing a lot of people in our comments discuss price so i'm going to make sure to segment this in our timestamp to discuss price and buying in um, I think it's valuable to just give history lesson on what Meta does. They have usually supported very large sales right around Black Friday. So the cheapest prices of the year for a Quest device is usually around at end of November. And you can look on Best Buy, places like that, where there are usually big, big, big deals and big discounts. So the... Well, not baked. They're
1: they're $50 or so.
0: That matters, yes. But it's it's also they've bundled in extras, and they have seen dramatic discounts uh, sometimes. Uh, They've obviously got Quest 2 to potentially clear stock of as well alongside Quest 3. But I want to just make people aware of that. And the flip side of that, the thing you've got to keep aware of, too, is Quest has sold out in the past for months at a time, even into the next year, in the case of uh, global manufacturing problems. So it's unlikely to happen here. But just keep that in mind. If, if, if Meta gets way too aggressive with their Black Friday deals, you could <laughs> you could be struggling to get your hands on a headset, even though, again, I think it's really important we just let people know that those deals usually come around uh, in a couple weeks yeah it'll be
1: interesting to see whether you know so close to launch of a headset like this whether they're gonna have those discounts obviously if you pre-order you do get that asgard's wrath 2 included which have the pricing being revealed for that i think it's either 40 or 60 dollars I, I don't know
0: i can't remember i didn't it's, see it in the store
1: yeah it's one of one of those two price. It's somewhere between 40 and 60 dollars and then obviously if you buy the 512 gigabyte version you get uh, the quest plus game subscription for six months so you know the Pre-order benefits are there. Obviously a lot of people are going to be uncomfortable with the idea of pre-ordering, but yeah, I mean, I guess we should ask, ask the question or if this is the right time, you know, there's two types of people who are going to ask, should I buy this? One of them already owns a headset. Most of them Quest 2 and others have never bought a headset. So do we want to maybe talk about whether we, well, should we wait for the next week for that when we've actually reviewed the device?
0: Um, I think the question is probably still out there in our audience amongst people. We've actually got one of our largest audiences that I think we've ever had for VR download with everyone tuning in. Thank you so much. Please like comment, subscribe, let us know uh, what you'd like to see from us in the future. We'll get into everything next week. So if you've got review questions, if you're on the fence, you're trying to decide what to do, we're going to cover all of those questions in depth. And our comments are a very supportive place. So if you have questions, That we've covered in the past they can sometimes reply and answer for us um but thank you for tuning in we'll be back next week with this full review and yeah i think we should still answer those questions now as best as we can because it's it's out there i think you know there i you've had the time with pico 4 so you're gonna have to say whether it's from what you're betting what you know of meta you're going to guess that it's already the best deal like I, I like it's it's one of these things where we know that the content package is already outstripping pico on quest 2 and we know this is going to be better hardware what what else is there to talk about
1: uh, yeah i guess we should also point out that so some developers will release graphical patches like we showed earlier and we talked about where they dramatically improve the quality but any game that was on quest 2 is on Quest 3, just to be crystal clear about this, and all of your library transfers over, and all of that Quest library is still accessible, and it's all rendered automatically in higher resolution. Even when developers don't release an update, this thing will render it at a higher resolution, which is gonna reduce that sort of pixelated, aliasing, shimmery effect that I've really hated about standalone headsets so far, and kind of bring that gap between PC VR. Uh, you know what we can answer now is people are wondering should they pre-order and get those pre-order benefits because if we're answering whether they should buy it next week they can no longer get those i think if you're someone who uses a quest two for vr gaming and you are someone who regularly uses it and you the things about it matter to you the fact that it is it is is front heavy and you know the weight balance isn't good and the lenses are far from ideal with a kind of relatively weak sweet spot compared to these newer headsets uh, you you the graphics are not good enough for you. you you put up with them because this is what you have and you know what are you going to do about it but you would really love to see better graphics you'd love to see those clearer sharper lenses you love to be able to see the world in color to, even if it's just for grabbing a drink uh, i think this is going to be a, a meaningful upgrade the controllers we haven't even talked about uh The fact that these don't have rings is a bigger deal than you think. We talked about this with the Touch Pro review, but the fact that you can be in a VR game, for example, a shooter with two-handed rifle, and very quickly reload your weapon and not have to worry about accidentally bashing the plastic rings into each other is just so great. And being able to precisely interact with objects in the near field in VR without having to worry about that is great. The, the the weight balance on these things is the best yet. They don't feel as heavy as the Touch Pro, but they have all of the advantages of the weight balance. They truly feel like an extension of your hands more so than any controller yet. That was the promise of the original Oculus Touch for Rift to feel like just this natural extension of your hands. I think this thing is gonna be worth upgrading if you are a, a Hardcore Quest 2 user. And if you are a new VR user, then again, this is only our assessment so far. We haven't really reviewed this. We're just saying what we've tried so far. If $500 is enough for, it is not so much that it is a life-changing sum of money for you. This is a good place to enter. And if it is such a a large amount of money that it would be dramatically life-changing for you, then I think you should probably wait for full reviews to decide whether it's a good idea for you.
0: Um, very complex recommendations already. Uh, I think we need to double-check the pre-order bonuses, because I did think that Asgard's Wrath was for the full year, uh, for example, so you can uh, I believe get Asgard's Wrath uh, with your pre-order of Quest 3, I believe, throughout the year. But uh, I think David Heaney has just pulled off his headset to search. I like the I like the researching face over there. Um, I'm gonna say this is a pretty up pretty easy upgrade for most quest 2 users i think the question is going to be specifically which accessories and which model to get uh i think between 128 and 512 is a very big gap for a lot of people and i can imagine people out there in our audience waiting for a review to make that assessment especially uh if their money is short right like um so if your money is short and you're trying to get the right accessories for your product. I think you're going to have to wait a little bit for us to kind of go through what some of the options are out there. I did this uh, sort of, I did this tweet out there uh, kind of just throwing out there that I thought that I purchased for myself, the uh, case, the charging dock and um one other thing. I can't remember what it was, but the charging dock is extremely important to me uh, in particular. Uh, I think we've got an image in there somewhere that we used of it, but the charging dock, I think, is going to get my headset and my controllers ready for me a heck of a lot more than just plugging it in and leaving it there waiting for me.
1: Yeah, just to be clear then, yeah, the the Asgard Wrath is for the first three months. Uh, that is a three-month benefit, so if you're buying it before... Uh, January twenty seventh, you will still get that. So this is just whether you're buying in the uh in the launch period rather than just as a pre order benefit.
0: Uh, so I think people it? have time, right? I think people have yeah. time uh between now and sort of this potential Christmas rush around November uh to yeah. make their decide- buying decisions on exactly what package of Quest three. And I think we're gonna we're gonna get that package onto our website. We're gonna make sure people know exactly what they should. Buy if you're a different type of buyer.
1: Yeah, I think if you're looking for a mixed reality headset, I wouldn't buy this at launch because I think that lack of dynamic object occlusion is just such a deal breaker, Uh, especially for you were talking about BAM, where you're uh, gathered together around a tabletop. I think it would be a huge shame to do that and you put your hands up and you see the entire tabletop scene rendered in front of your hands rather than actually seeing it behind your hands. I just have to keep emphasizing that i am very shocked that that is not going to be a feature
0: at launch daniel daniel in the in the comments being the being the jerk being uh you know like why don't you just plug it in you're, you're too lazy yeah i get it i get it i am too lazy and there's a lot of people out there who are too lazy and they don't get into vr because their battery is dead the charging dock solves that
1: yeah, I agree with Ian. The charging dock was the one of the best parts of Quest Pro. The fact that you don't have to plug it in, you just set your headset down and not just the headset, the controllers too. This charging dock comes with rechargeable AA batteries with contacts on the side. So you dock your headset and your controllers down. That means you can just leave it there. You, this is a dedicated dock. You never have to worry, are my games installed or updated or is my headset charged. It's always ready. It's always updated because you leave it on the dock and it will keep downloading updates all the time and it will be ready to go as soon as you want it. So as soon as you feel like jumping into VR, you just grab your headset and you go. It is the best part of Quest Pro. I am very disappointed at the pricing for this dock on Quest 3. It is far too expensive. Some people argue that it should be included and I I guess I I would love to see the bill of materials to know how viable that is, but instinctually i do think that they would have had a much more retentive product if it was included at the very least though it should not be 130 dollars or whatever it is Uh, it should be i would i would pay
0: a couple hundred bucks i would pay a couple hundred bucks for a charging case i think that's i think it's that valuable of a of an addition because i all right so well i also got got called out on this on twitter for the best carrying solution for your quest so let's i'll put this on the timestamp right here okay the best carrying solution for your quest is a is a lens cover that just slides in and covers the lenses themselves and then wrap it in a in a t-shirt and then stick it in your bag that should keep your quest safe for most travel situations don't you agree or am i completely off base there david
1: yeah, I do like the idea of a charging case. You broke up a little bit there, so I didn't hear the very end. But yeah, the the charging case would be yeah. ideal for transport.
0: Yeah, so I'm well, so I'm arguing for a t-shirt and a lens protector as the the cheapest route to carrying your quest from place to place, and it actually should do a pretty decent job of of protecting the the main parts of your quest that you carry out the lenses, right? Uh, but Yes, case. I want a charging case and I will pay a I will pay 100 case. bucks couple of, Yeah, a t-shirt case. What well, what is a t-shirt case? You put a lens separator, you put a lens protector into the quest and then you just cover it in a t-shirt. You're good to go. Well, I mean, they're going to be
1: they're going to be $20 cases on Amazon that are going to be a lot better solution than Well, the t-shirt's them. $10. Yeah, I think we, right. one of the things we have to say about accessories and I would always say this before you go and buy the meta ones is that there are always going to be Uh, third-party alternatives for a fraction of the price available on Amazon we don't know yet whether meta have made the schematics and sort of technical specifications of the charging dock available to third parties yet but I would be very shocked if they didn't it would be a very strange decision for them to be the only provider of that I would not be surprised if we see a charging dock that costs half as much arriving on Amazon by the end of this year
0: Yep, 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 yep. It's an obvious solution, and I think it will dramatically increase the reach of Quest uh, for a lot of people, especially if it's slim. And of course, just the context there that why I'm pushing for this is Meta is already shipping charging cases for their Ray-Ban smart glasses, right? So, first generation and second generation smart glasses use a charging case that will get you through multiple charges of using using this device out in the wild.
1: We have a question here from a paid question for $2. Thank you so much. From Sherzod City, And they ask, should I upgrade from Quest Pro primarily using PC VR? That is an interesting question. If you are only, primarily is an interesting question. It really depends on what is the secondary aspect there. How much of standalone are you using? If you do upgrade for just PC VR, you're going to be missing local dimming the thing that we didn't talk about when we talked about visuals about this headset is it is still an lcd display you're still not getting anywhere close to true blacks you're not getting that deep contrast that oled or local dimming in a lesser way provides so that's something that you're going to have to really keep in mind if you're doing that option Uh, that would be a really tough one for me if i was just using quest pro for pc uh, you're also obviously going to miss out on a rear battery, but that doesn't make a huge difference because I, I personally find Quest 3 to be more comfortable than Quest Pro, regardless of that lack of balance. That That's a really tough one. Yeah.
0: And I saw someone else asking about PC. Did, 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 would, you, would your suspicion be that if Quest 3 delivers on its promise, it would be your go-to PC VR headset over Pico?
1: Yeah, um, that's a tough one for me. So the advantage over Pico 4 and Quest 2 is that you get six gigahertz Wi-Fi. So Quest Pro already has that, so that doesn't matter for those people. But for Quest 2 and Pico 4, you do not have six gigahertz Wi-Fi. Uh, six gigahertz will give you higher bandwidth, less interference, generally just a higher quality PC VR experience with less frame drops uh, due to network issues. Yeah, but the problem is that Quest 3 improves its field of view horizontally, but not vertically. And one of the things I love about the Pico 4, which is is one of the things I loved about the Valve Index, which is its vertical field of view. And this is something that I did not see an improvement in Quest 3, and Meta has not claimed an improvement there. Some people in the comments are also pointing out that you can use a third-party tool such as OpenXR Toolkit to get foveated rendering. I tracked foveated rendering on PC VR via Quest Pro. If you're someone who's comfortable setting up those tools, you're you're fully familiar with how all that works, that you have that set up and you get this working. And you from that, you get like a noticeable performance improvement in say flight simulator. You're probably going to want to stick with Quest Pro. But if you're just using this as a PC VR headset, Quest Pro already has the pancake lenses. Quest Pro has local dimming. Quest Pro has its IPD adjustment. You're not going to get dramatic improvements on Quest 3. Uh, the only thing I could think of that you're going to get from Quest 3 is higher resolution. But if you're using eye for viewed rendering, you're going to have a higher f- rendering resolution on Quest Pro or using a Quest Pro. So that's probably going to be net better for you if you were someone who was using pc vr to run standalone style games like say you were playing beat saber on pc and that was all you really used it for and you don't actually really push it hard on pc with like simulators for example you'd probably want the resolution of quest 3 but yeah i I think overall if you're someone who's a sim gamer quest pro is actually the better pc vr headset for you
0: Mm. lots of complicated things to consider there. I am ready to tease about my walkabout impressions. And I call it out as being related because it was the most memorable and best thing I tried at Metaconnect. Uh yes, Quest 3 is an amazing piece of hardware, a huge step forward I think for virtual reality based on what I saw. But what I saw in Walkabout Mini Golf was a a step forward in software. And I'm under embargo, so I can't talk too much about it, but I thought it was significant enough to tease a little bit about when we talk about mixed reality, when we talk about this aspect of four people being in a room together, enjoying the same bit of content in different platforms, we have a hard divide between what you can do on one platform and what you can do on another platform. Um, We see it in Among Us VR, right? It's Among Us VR is a completely different game than the flat screen version of Among Us. You can't go cross device in that game, at least not yet. Rec Room has a completely different interface for the mobile phone. Horizon Worlds has a completely different interface for the phone compared to what you do in VR. And it's just, you know, you're asking for a person on a phone to be comfortable with phone input in order to enjoy a game with you. And that's a hard ask across a lot of software platforms. And I got shown where Mighty Coconut is with Walkabout Mini Golf on iPhone. And I got shown a path where this mixed reality dream that we are talking about, where multiple people are around a room, like it's not going to be all four people all synced up to the same virtual content in space. There is a path where we can have people on multiple devices enjoying content. And what I've seen is they've been very, very, very thoughtful about this with lots and lots of, of features. Because uh, for people who aren't aware, Walkabout Mini Golf is, for anybody that's played it, it's an incredible VR game. Multiple, up to five people, I think, in a, group can go through a course together they've got incredible courses but it started out as an iphone game they actually developed the iphone game first and didn't release it they went and focused on vr and they have clearly nailed the vr version of of this experience together of getting in and having room codes being able to continue games even if you get dropped out and go back in all of these quality of life assessments to make this a really really great mini golf game but still sitting in the, the the background developing as they've been building more features into it is this iPhone version of walkabout and I am a broken record about this. You, you're rolling your eyes about it. My team rolls my eyes about it. But like I haven't been excited about content in VR as much The only content that I was excited about on the level that I'm as excited as I am about walkabout is Beat Saber. It's too accessible to too many people to play walkabout, to play mini golf, and have that brought over into virtual reality. And it gets me so, so excited for the future to imagine a really great experience a, a thing you can go download on your phone and it's a good experience there and a thing you can go download in VR it's a great experience there and then have crossover between them that's a dream come true and I did feel like walkabout was closer to a satisfying experience there than even Horizon Worlds is and 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 Rec Room is so I'm gonna leave that tease out there until I can say more until I can show more to our audience but it was it was a really really excellent demo and the most memorable thing I try to connect.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, uh, that that's what yeah, that's what I have to say about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna like w- w- like are you convinced that the like simulation is gonna drive mainstream like like flight games or are you just not on the the walkabout bandwagon at all? Like you just no, I, I, I like I like walkabout of a game.
1: I like it in a headset. I just don't have any interest in playing it on a phone. I don't think ha, phone.
0: Ha, I don't have deep. any interest in playing it on a phone. It sounds like crap, doesn't it? It sounds like it'll be terrible.
1: I, I want, I want, like, why wouldn't I just play any of the other gaming platforms then? if What's the point if right, I'm not actually right. in it?
0: All right, we'll see. We'll see. I'll get to it in my report. Stay tuned. Yeah.
1: Okay, I'll I'll stay skeptical, but willing to be convinced. Yeah, some people in the comments pointing out Quest Pro doesn't have 120 hertz. That's a great point for standalone especially. For PC, I I think very few people playing bigger titles like simulators are are actually going to choose the trade-off of 120 hertz versus higher resolution and performance. Even with a 4090, you're going to struggle to get 120 hertz in any of those games like Flight Simulator at any time. Uh, But that's a very important point for standalone.
0: Anthony yeah, exactly. asking with a paid question here. Does the VR bridge dongle utilize the full capabilities of the Quest 3's wireless?
1: It, it does not, and I was I was just about to answer that because there's another commenter that has commented something very similar that's very relevant. Someone was asking, uh Clayman said, How many of us are looking at having to replace their main router to get Wi Fi six? So important thing to note Wi Fi 6 does not have six gigahertz. Weird name, confusingly named. Wi Fi 6e is the extension of Wi Fi 6 that has 6 gigahertz. So, in the same way, the VR bridge, airbridge dongle, we don't even know if it supports Quest 3. Let's start with that. But it does not have 6 gigahertz Wi Fi. It is a Wi Fi 6 dongle, but it is not Wi Fi 6e. So, if you want to use the full wireless capabilities of Quest 3, or Quest Pro, you need to get Wi-Fi 6E, a access point or router that has that.
0: Mighty Coconut has shown up. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get some golfers in here. I'm tired of these these skeptics of the of the golfing uh, landscape. I am. I'm fully on board with, let's do 18 holes at the end of every week. Let's take every meeting in mini golf. It's better I than. About, I
1: look, it. I love about mini golf. I also love golf plus. I play, I play golf. I play golf. virtually. Oh, I just don't. What did like you think of phone. the
0: graphics? What did you think of the graphics updates that they're showing for golf plus? Oh
1: yeah. That really looks incredible. You know, that's my father's favorite VR game is golf plus, And I can't wait to play around him. Hello, I'm back in Quest Pro. So my Quest 2 ran out of battery. I somehow didn't notice the battery indicator. We'll, it'll be really interesting for us to check out what is the battery life like on Quest 3. That is something we would love to show you in our review, and, and I plan to just drain it. But, I mean, you'll see next week if you tune in. Presumably, we presume Quest 3 will be available to use, um, you know, launched by our next week's show, and we'll find out whether it dies then. But yeah, again, I was I was very very impressed by this. Like, I can't wait to try it. It's
0: yeah, you know. I felt like that's one of the things that was really problematic for me in Golf Plus was the the quality of the environment was really hard to accept. And this is a breathtaking kind of update for Golf Plus. Uh, it's going to be an amazing thing. But of course, Walkabout Mini Golf does not have that aesthetic. It's it's this uh, low poly, beautiful art uh, aesthetic that they're trying to pack in a lot of different things in that environment. Completely different vibe. But it's amazing. Like, like I'm curious how crisp and shiny some of those other environments are going to get uh, as soon as they've got um, the next systems. But um, I, is there anything else you want to close off on before we we yeah, shove I, off I, today? What else what have want, we got to cover? Just
1: want to reiterate what you said there, and that you know, just to if you haven't heard us say this ten times already in this, it is just remarkable what is possible graphically on Quest three compared to quest 2 or quest pro and that is really the big difference here and like we are seeing so many developers start to tease what they think will be possible in their game we're going to see so many quest 3 upgrades from all of these titles and yeah i I can't wait to see what, what, what will happen if you're someone who is a vr gamer that is a specific fan of one game there's a good chance that sometime in the next three months your the developer of that game is going to post a video like this and i think at that point you just kind of have to upgrade
0: yeah and i think it's worth thinking that it's just the beginning right even if even if they update in the next month or two like out of we've done the story where it's just out of the gate all of the games are the vast majority of games are going to get a graphical update then you've got games that are tuning it for quest three and then i think there's going to probably be some games that'll have an even additional update beyond that app as they really push the limits of the hardware
1: yeah um we're a few questions here the new blood don is asking quest three depth sensor for 3d scanning yeah it 3d scans your room it uh from what we've seen at connect it Suggests a guardian boundary for you, which is great. You know, you, instead of having to manually draw out that guardian, you're going to get a suggestion, and you can just go. So it gets you closer to that vision of instant VR that John Carmack is always talking about. Um, another question here: whether the compression is worse over six gigahertz compared to USB C tethering. So the, the the link isn't whether it's wireless or wired is not actually the the limiting factor for compression on the standalone headsets it's actually the decoder in the headset and how much uh bit rate the high the bit rate that it can decode we have not got details on this yet but what we do know so far is the quest 3 for the first time in a standalone headset that we're aware of can decode the av1 video codec so we expect that it will probably be able to decode higher bit rate as well geek Godin in the comments if you're able to talk about this please do you know give us some details on that but you should definitely expect that the uh, bit rate decoding on three should be higher, so you should see less compression in PC VR.
0: You know, while we're on that subject, do we want to talk about the avatars that you know the Bosz, uh, sorry the the Zuckerberg interview in VR?
1: Yeah, I, I guess that would be a good thing to to talk about because it was it really shocked the world. I saw this reverberate through when I say the world, I mean the the, the tech community the the people, especially who are you know, finders and software engineers and venture capitalists who have been ridiculing the idea of the metaverse for years now and ridiculing the idea of VR for this kind of social use case, many of them saw this and were absolutely blown away, as was Lex himself during the interview. If you haven't seen this, just Google, or it's just YouTube, sorry, sorry Lex Friedman Zuckerberg, and you will see that they conducted a full, longer than an hour interview with these photorealistic prototype avatars driven by the face and eye tracking on Quest Pro, presumably powered by a PC, but not confirmed. And it is just astonishing. Lex is frequently expressing utter shock and amazement at what he's seeing. He just says that this is beyond the Uncanny Valley. The Uncanny Valley has been surpassed. And that he genuinely, genuinely felt like he was sitting across from Mark Zuckerberg, despite the fact that they were hundreds of miles apart.
0: I did this demo last year where I talked to a meta researcher over a long distance. I felt like the avatars had crossed the Uncanny Valley. Critically, I tried that demo at the unveiling of the Quest Pro, and they did not show their codec avatars at the Uncanny Valley surpassing level on the quest pro and it appears that both uh zuckerberg and um lex were wearing quest pros for this interview we don't know the tech stack behind getting that feed but it's a very very exciting moment and it's it underscores why we do this work and what i kept seeing in the commentary was this image uh split screen with zuckerberg and his photo from the Eiffel Tower so his image of Zuckerberg looking like a cartoon like we look right now on the left compared to Zuckerberg over there on the right and I kept seeing people suggest it was just a couple months of progress between these two images and that was very much not the case this is a multi-year effort on the scale of uh, about half a decade now uh, where they've been working towards photorealistic avatars where you'll Wear them in virtual reality and appear as your avatar instead of yourself. Vision Pro had similar avatars. They call them personas over on the Apple ecosystem. So you put on your Apple persona and can appear in a FaceTime call as your avatar instead of yourself. So that's how you can do a FaceTime call from virtual reality over on the Apple ecosystem. Well, Meta is working towards the same. the same end game, and it was missing on the Quest Pro. It was using the XR Gen 1 processor. It had face and eye tracking on it, but critically, we haven't seen too much done with it on the, the social front. In fact, David Heaney's app here is among a handful of apps that actually take advantage of the face and eye tracking on the headset. That's how underutilized these new features are. But if we hooked up, this face and eye tracking technology to a very, very high powered PC that did some of the encoding and decoding for our avatars. And then we had ourselves scanned over at Meta headquarters in incredible amounts of detail. There's potentially a future version of this show where he appears as he actually does in reality and I appear as I actually do in reality. And we have this entire show with your audience using vr as an immediate intermediary step on the path to completely believable avatars and i don't think many people could grasp the enormity of that until they saw mark zuckerberg's face both as a cartoon and as this avatar that's what it needed they needed a face that they knew uh, before and after to to like put two and two together that oh that's that's what the metaverse is for so uh it's a it's a big coup for meta overall to get this out into the wild and get this image this message that they've been trying to sell for years that they're actually building foundational technology for the future of human communications and and mark zuckerberg has done that himself by appearing in this podcast with lex
1: yeah, I think it's interesting that this could arrive sooner than some people think, and maybe even sooner than I used to think, because we saw earlier this year there was an apparent meta roadmap leaked to the verge that described these Kodak avatars arriving in the next version of Quest Pro. And then last month, we saw this report from a Korean news outlet, a South Korean news outlet that suggested that Meta had partnered with LG with the intention of releasing a second generation of quest pro in 2025 so if these reports are describing the same device if the verges report about the next quest pro is describing the same quest pro 2 that lg may be working with meta on that suggests that there is a possibility that meta could ship a version of these codec avatars in that headset but to be clear, the the rumor of that LG headset suggests that it would be priced somewhere on the order of $2,000, so much more similar to Apple Vision Pro than a Quest 3. But fascinating to think that we could be just two years off this shipping in a product, albeit an well, expensive product.
0: On the grand scale of things, you start wondering whether Meta, whether Apple's embracing of embracement embracing whether apple embracing personas on the vision pro might have altered meta's thinking here a little bit um did it accelerate any of their plans and make them realize that maybe this is a market for because i've seen this war of words it's like the sniping and honestly these executives are pretty professional at not taking snipes at each other unless there's like a overarching reason um but like Meta made conscious choices to make the best package that they think can ship at somewhere between $300 and $500, and that's their path to mass market. And they stepped out of that safe zone uh, over with the Quest Pro, and arguably it was a mistake because things weren't lined up for them. They weren't the company. you know. I don't think they're the company to ship premium product like that. They're the company built now to ship mass market devices at the lowest possible price. So, uh, well,
1: I mean, I I do doing like,
0: it, maybe by Gen 2 they get there, but they didn't get there by Gen 1.
1: Yeah, doing it a year before the generational processor increase was arguably not the smartest decision ever. And, you know, they, they tried to ship a high-end device without high-end specs. You know, it, it was high-end in some ways and features, but, you know, it, it didn't have very high-resolution displays compared to other products of that pricing. It didn't have... You know, the the high performance chipset like the Vision Pro, it was it was a, a quest to with face tracking and eye tracking and a rear battery and pancake lenses. You know, like it was improved in some ways, but it was not a truly high end product. And what I think we may see now in the Eurovision Pro and the LG partnership is a real high end product that actually puts out something that is designed to really, really be worth its price at a high price point.
0: I could definitely see that, and it would probably be on the timeline. It would probably be an x r two Gen two in there, right? Uh, with potentially I'd be curious if Meta is able to actually develop its own silicon on that time scale? I think we're more likely to see to, to some... pair with the x r two Gen two to do some of this uh, additional processing required for uh, decoding and encoding avatars. See, can you imagine I mean that's that's a future that is coming for any of you buying quests and buying into the quest ecosystem there will be Meta Silicon in your headset down the line, won't there?
1: I think developing their own silicon is going to take a lot longer than that. And I think if you look what's happened, reportedly they have kind of backed down from that and doubled down on their partnership with Qualcomm. Reportedly, they were originally planning to put their own silicon into these Ray-Ban Meta glasses, and instead they have this Qualcomm AR1 chip. And I, th- I think Meta's going to get a lot further back by working with Qualcomm than it will on building any chips. I don't think Meta is the kind of company that can commit to the long-term, five to ten-year commitment to do that. They just aren't, and you know, many at Meta may wish they were. Maybe it would give them a strategic advantage, but Qualcomm is very, very good at doing this. Samsung has tried to, even Samsung has tried to build their own Exynos chips, and they have now had to go back to putting Qualcomm Snapdragon chips in their flagships because it's just so, so hard. Google's tensor chips and their pixel phones are lagging two years behind Qualcomm and yeah and you know it's I, I think what we'll probably see for a higher end headset is a true XR3, a chipset range that is designed for that kind of price point product that is that is separate to the chipset that you would put in a $500 headset. And at the very least we'll see another plus because if you know Quest Pro used the XR2 Gen 1 plus, I think they may have a, a Gen 2 Plus at the very minimum. But I, I would mm. not be surprised to see a dedicated high-end headset chip go into this thing from Qualcomm. Yeah, and I... think Ian just lost connection there. Geek going in our comments, please let us know if you know the bit rate limits for Quest 2, 3's chipset decoding. That would be really fascinating to know.
0: We're, we're starting to paint now. a picture for people of where things connection. are going long-term here not how about now am i here yeah yeah okay we're starting to paint a picture for people of what is going to happen after gaming is the major use case and we've seen people talk about multitasking having the large hanging windows and we've seen john carmack take issue with that but over the long term five to ten year thing i'm seeing in our comments people talk about snow crash and the idea of the true metaverse where you've got avatars of all different kinds interacting and uh there's layers upon our physical layer that you can choose which layers to see and all that weird sci-fi stuff like when you see this face you start picturing that we're actually on that path and i think for our viewers here please come back week in and week out as we tell the story and really uh get at its details and get at like the nuance here because we don't want you going and spending a couple thousand dollars as we did uh, on something like a quest pro um, only to find it get kind of like a a dead end only to find it kind of be a a misuse of, of our time and our resources, even though it's pretty cool to do this, right? Like it didn't actually affect our day to day a whole lot. And over each next generation of headset, right over quest four five quest pro two, three, all the vision devices we're going to have, and whatever other companies come with, they're all going to be tuned for various use cases from gaming to productivity to telecommunications uh, interactions. And right now, like, the solutions aren't great, right? You've, you've only got a handful of choices that are even worth your time and effort. I see someone in our comments asking whether it's time for them to sell their Valve Index And that's like a heartbreaking thing to think about where you've got to sacrifice a key piece of history, of technological history, in order to get the next device. But that is the reality. I've done it myself. I've sold old headsets that I wanted to keep because I saw it as this path to the future. But it's, you know, people are still doing this thing. They're going to be doing it for years to come, selling their old kit to get the new kit. And Quest 3 is going to be a great step forward, but it's not going to be a great step forward necessarily for this or for you know we're still wondering what the multitasking is going to be do you have any inkling of whether this thing is going to be capable of multitasking for us
1: yeah it's capable of multitasking from what i tried um i did try this in the same way that quest 2 and quest pro is you can bring up a browser when you're in an app what we need to test this in our view is how laggy is it because the problem is that theoretically yeah i can bring up a browser tab right now in quest pro and i can have this while i'm still talking to you and i don't have to close the app but the problem is that it's the performance of that is so terrible that it's practically unusable and what we need to know is can the xr2 gen 2 chip change that the the thing that is not dramatically improved in the new chipset is the cpu it's improved something like 33 percent. compare that to the you know over 200 percent in improvement uh, of the sorry over 100 percent improvement of the uh, gpu and it's just not as as good at all you know it's just it's not a dramatic change that's the real strength of apple's chips for now is that their cpu is just so much stronger than anything that's in any qualcomm product when you look at the gpu there's the gpu of quest 3 and vision pro are a lot closer than you would think for their price but the cpu is just a, a galaxy apart
0: Yeah. And so uh, if you go up from the chip layer that David Heaney is like really invested in understanding, like what Qualcomm will come out and say, our chips are capable of doing this. And then meta will come out and say, actually, we're only using this, this and this from the chip. And we have to do the job of explaining to you, like through this marketing jargon that you'll get inundated with what actually matters for you, the end user. But this is also like, we, we we jump around on subjects, we talk about software all the time. We are, I, I really feel like we're at the cusp of a golden age here of, of VR still. Like, it's really hard to not be excited about the time ahead because I think the the standalone hardware is coming into its own in this third generation of, of Quest, right? Like, Quest 1 and 2, you could... You could see the sacrifices to get it to run on those systems. Quest 3, in those few minutes of Red Matter, I felt like those questions were gone, like this this is feeling more, like even the, peop, the developers, Vertical Robot, uh, the developers of Red Matter 2, said things like they called it console quality. And that's, they backed off calling it PSVR 2's quality. But they're closing in in a way that a lot of people didn't expect. For all those people that crapped on Quest 2's phone as having like phone like graphics, Quest 3 is going to open up a lot of eyes. And that's in addition to devs figuring out how to make content work across platforms in a way that like we haven't been able to get so far.
1: Yeah, this is definitely, this is no longer phone graphics. You really just can't call this phone graphics anymore. And it's an interesting analogy, I think, would be that it's kind of, feels like it's at the level of PlayStation VR one, except imagine if the headset of PSVR one was much, much higher resolution, you know, that you can't make those direct comparisons because, sure, the PSVR one, you know, has this PS4 powering it, but it had such a low resolution display that it didn't really matter. It was like having glasses that are so blurry that it doesn't matter what you're looking at. You can't really see it in quality. We have a question here. Two dollars from... Norman Robinson, I thought an XR three chip was under development. Nope. There is absolutely no confirmation of that whatsoever. A lot of to be clear, a lot of people either erroneously or uh, to get clicks or views or whatever, called XR2 Gen two, XR three before it was announced as its proper name, but that was never what it was called. And if you the successor to the XR two that is in Quest 2 and Pico four is XR two Gen two Qualcomm does not uh, increase the number of the actual product name. These are product lines in the same way that it's like you get a new Intel Core i five. The next one is not called Intel Core i six. You know, it's like you just get the new ge- the new generation of Intel Core i five. It's the same kind now, of thing.
0: Now, what's interesting there is uh, the way David Heaney explained it is exactly correct, but that doesn't leave like it it is possible that qualcomm could pursue a whole new product line call it the xr3 and it services some future super high-end standalone use case that we have yet to see but it is not the xr2 gen 2 right like the we're there's like a high-end mass market device chipset and that's what it seems xr2 gen 2 gen 1 is meant to service so eventually there should be a gen 3 and it's in that same sort of class of device right in the 300 to 500 yeah. range
1: yeah like the the next chipset and as you say exactly the next chipset in this product line will be xr2 gen 3 it's not going to go xr3 if xr3 is a thing it will be a more expensive product line for quest pro 2 and other high-end headsets that cost two thousand dollars it's not going to be you know the quest 4 presumably will use the xr2 gen 3.
0: yeah and so and but we do get to some of our most interesting speculation that we're likely to have over the next year where we start discussing that sort of situation right um Apple owns the technology that they're going to put inside of the Vision Pro. So from the encoding and decoding of the avatars on down, Apple is like doing its own technology stack to secure all of that. It's going to be in both Qualcomm and Meta's best interests to own their entire technology stack when it comes to delivering things like this into headsets.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to note that, you know, Meta and Qualcomm have had now for over a year or around a year this strategic collaboration. And how they describe it to us is that it is not exclusive. Meta does not get exclusive access to these chips. But what they do get is that they are working they are working with Qualcomm to build these chips, which means that the Quest three and the XR two Gen two chip were designed together. So Meta builds the product around understanding what the chip's going to be. And in real time, as they're doing this, changes what they want out of the chip based on what the headset is. And so they do get almost the advantages of Apple's uh, end-to-end vertical integration control of their own chips, but without having to do that on their own. Obviously, there still is going to be this you know, tension where Qualcomm's interests are its own and Meta's interests are its own. But you, know, without even having to have exclusivity, that just means that Meta is going to be ahead of all of these other Android-based headset makers because they have to figure out what they want to do with the chip after Meta has already fully understood and helped build it.
0: Devil with this comment that says, Quest 3 sounds like the end of Tilt 5. And I think that's a really tricky way of looking at it. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a fair way of looking at it, but I understand the, the why you arrived there. Um, Tilt 5 uses a novel AR architecture an optical architecture that reflects you've got projectors basically on your glasses projecting light at a reflective material that reflects it directly back and it ends up getting it all optically correct but layered in there is your ability to look around and see unobstructed your players that are around you it's a flip of the entire technology stack in fact it's the only one that works well as they pitch it To work, which is this game board system where the AR content appears like slightly above the game board and mostly below the game board. It works in that context. What I think Quest 3 kind of closes the door on a little bit is the idea of the Magic Leap 2 and the HoloLens. I I don't think those are quite necessarily as useful. However, I will say, hasn't there been progress in? Uh, on the military side, uh, the military program for HoloLens, hasn't there been progress there?
1: Yeah, and they continue to still be products that are purchased by enterprise. I don't think that transparent AR is going away. It's just that it doesn't have any place in the consumer market anytime soon.
0: Yeah, and Tilt 5 being one of the maybe few exceptions that, that is making a go at it as a startup. So they're they're not a established company. We can't. Uh, expect them to be around necessarily for 15 years. They've, they've still got to prove themselves out as a small company. But they're doing something novel, very different than all these other content. But yes, they are going at the same ideas that we've discussed through the show of content that lives in the in the shared area between us. It's, Any comments you want to respond to before we move towards the end of the show there, David? Yeah, I was just going to say it'd be
1: interesting to see how I Tilt 5 survives once headsets that can do what Quest 3 do get down to $300, $250, and they get better pass-through, I think Tilt 5 exists in a very short moment that may not last as long as they need to be able to build a big business out of that.
0: That's fair. Um, What I would love to talk about with Jerry Ellsworth, so I've talked to Jerry, that's the CEO of Tilt 5, quite a bit. Very open CEO, very accessible, so we can ask her questions and get answers pretty uh, readily. If we, if anybody has any questions about Tilt Five, but I just I want to, I guess, off on our Cold Quest Three discussion, saying that Jerry worked at Valve and she prototyped pass through AR, I believe there years and years and years ago, and talked about this sense of just, uh I remember doing interviews with her where she just tried to describe why pass-through video looks off. It, it looks, it feels off to kind of have that much of a delay on your content uh, as you're seeing it through, uh, through a pass-through lens. And that is one of the reasons she pursued this architecture of tilt five with pass-through being done completely different. And I just, outside of vision pro, um, I have not enjoyed, like I've, I've seen her be a fortune teller for these other pass-through experiences, not feeling right, with the exception of Vision Pro, feeling like it just felt really nice.
1: Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Well, firstly, I would say the decision she made was where pass-through was 10 years ago, and it's come a long way since then. I, again, I don't agree with you that there is a delay. I don't think there is latency that I see. The, the virtual objects were in the same exact position as the real room. There is still distortion, though, um, and that's something that, as you say, it's sold in Vision Pro. So the point I was trying to make is <laughs> all it takes is for that to come down in price. So what's going to happen? is, Are they going to build no, an entire business in the time that it takes these technologies to come? You know, th- this has been a thing I've seen with uh, Ronnie Auvitz, uh who was the founder and CEO of Magic Leap, where... There are some people who are very invested in transparent AR technology that simply cannot see what's coming here. Which is that yes, pass through is limited and flawed today, but it's going to get very good very quickly, and it's going to the price of it being very good is going to lower very very quickly. And if, I just I think you nailed it, and I
0: want to talk about that with Jerry because I think she Ronnie talks in to, talks in like uh, very vague terms about magic leaps technologies i think jerry would probably offer some really strong if not pushback but thoughts on on that uh but i think she would at least uh address it because i think they did well, you i think you're right you're you're painting out a path where uh everything gets dramatically better very quickly on the pass-through side of things and over on the ar side of things the pass-through gla- the the glass see-through lenses They're still struggling with very fundamental physics problems that are years away from getting solved. So it's going to be very tough.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, the way I put it is, with Quest 3, pass-through is solved in the midfield and the far field. And with Vision Pro, it's solved in the near field too. And how long is it going to take for a headset to come at the price of Quest 3 that has a good near field pass-through? A year, two years?
0: Yeah, what a wonderful, what a wonderful note to I think leave our show off tonight because I don't think you're going to get an insight like David Heaney just offered us anywhere else. So uh, please think about becoming a member of UploadVR.com. Go over to our website, UploadVR.com. We've got the support button right in the corner. Support our work as we unfold the next steps of personal computing. Help you make better decisions about how you spend your time and money. Uh, Point you to great places to spend your time with in headset. Thank you so much to David Heaney for his incredible work covering uh, Connect, getting in there, trying out these headsets, summarizing it for you despite the illness. Thank you to Harry, Henry, and Kyle for keeping everything going while we were out there checking things out. And thank you to our audience for tuning in. We'll be here next week with another massive show. Please share the link with your friends, and we'll see you in the future.
1: Thanks everyone for watching and as Daniel Lieber points out Ian there's still time for you to say walk about mini golf one more time.
0: Um, I'm on, I'm on mute I can't do it. <laughs>